Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and so we got some, uh, at least some, we have a few people who have hard copies of Bibles out there, so I'm going to give them just a second to turn to this, but uh, again, we just believe that God's Word does shape and form us. That's why we stand, and that's why we are here. So John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 12, let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy Word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is. That bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do just pray that that your spirit would come upon us. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would wash over us. Lord, we do pray that any of those things that are distracting us from you, Lord, those things that are not of you, God, that we would just turn our attention and we would abide in you and abide in your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I heard the, the sad news that, that Family Video, which was like one of the very few places you could, you could go rent movies from, was closing. Um, you know, all the blockbusters closed, you know, like a decade ago, but Family Video kept on for so long. Um, and we enjoyed going in there and getting movies and getting video games. And, and so a couple weeks ago, we, uh, uh, we went in there and we were going to rent some games, but we can't rent any. They were just selling them out. And, and so... Uh, we decided uh, the boys wanted a, a new game for the Nintendo Switch, and uh, when they told me how much the price was going to be for these games, I thought, whoa, finally, this is the moment I have been waiting for. You see, for many years, I've put off my video game playing because, well, frankly, I've had other things to do. But when Madden 21 was on sale for $17.50, I had to buy it. Um, because I've tried to play some of the games that my, my boys enjoy playing, and like I miss like the games that I know what to do with them, all right? Their games are so complicated because they can go in every direction. I mean, I remember the original Mario, right, where you only had four directions you could go, right? You could go forward, you could go backwards, 
You could go up or you could go down, and that was it. Um, now you can go all sorts of different directions in the video games, but I miss the simple days of, of playing video games with those four simple directions. And so kids, uh, I'm going to invite you that in, in box one to go ahead and, and draw your favorite game or video game um, that, that you might enjoy playing. Um, these directions actually come in, in handy when we think about our spiritual life. It took me a while to, to figure out kind of what these directions would mean. But earlier this summer, our staff, we gather together and we talk about what, what direction does the church need to head and what do we need to do over a certain season. And, and we were thinking about what do we need this fall to be. We know that this fall is, is unusual as 2020 is unusual. And, and so we really thought, what if the people of God, what if they saw 2020 and the fall of 2020, not as something just to get over or to get through, but actually a chance to grow deep and to grow significantly in our faith. What if we saw this season as a season of growth and transformation and not just as, as a time that we need to bide until we get it over with? And so the, the staff sort of commissioned me to go and try to figure out, is there a process, is there a way in which growth happens as part of the church. And so as I often do when, when I'm looking for something, I go back through my resources that I had in seminary and in other places. And I came across a book written uh, by uh, one of my seminary professors, a guy by the name of Robert Mulholland Jr. And he had this book, Invitation to a Journey. And I just thought, well, if somebody knows how spiritual formation happens, it's Dr. Mulholland. And so I, I started flipping through this book. I hadn't read it in, in years. And I, I came across a, a chapter in there where it talked about um, the classical Christian pil pilgrimage and the um, kind of the classic four steps into that. And I thought, that sounds really good. And the first one was awakening. And we had already said, we need to have an awakening weekend. And I thought, well, we're on the right track. And, and so I thought, awakening, this sounds great. And then the second step was purgation. And I thought, what's a purgation? Um, could, I don't think we really know. That's not a word I've ever really just said in a random sentence. Um, hey, how's, how are you experiencing purgation in your life? So I thought, well, that's not going to work out too well. And it goes to illumination and and then talked about union. Oh, I know a little bit about those sort of things. And, and so I, I said, God, you know, what do, what do you want us to study and to do? And, and so he really, uh, the Lord spoke and talking with other people, came to this sort of reform process. That there is a process of, of, of spiritual formation um, that, that, that the classical Christian pilgrimage can do. And it, and it really is this, these directions of, of back, of down, of up and forward. That, that these movements are really the movements of the process of spiritual formation. And so last week we actually started the sermon series as we talked about repentance. And, and repentance is going backwards. It's, it's turning around. It's acknowledging things are not the way that they should be. And that that is the beginning of the process is actually turning around and moving backwards. And so next week, we're going to be talking about release, and this is this process of moving down, that there are things we have to let go of. There are things that we have to give away to God. We have to release them, and we have to go through the hard work that often happens through that. But then God begins to do a new thing in our lives, and we become renewed, and, and it's this upward movement of new life that breaks out in the midst of darkness. And then finally, you and I, we can move forward in this new way, all right, to be redeemed and we can experience reformation. And so what we're hoping in this process 
is that you and I, that we grow in the midst of it and we learn the, the way in which God shapes and forms us. And so that's what we're going to be doing again beginning last week with our sermon series on repentance. Uh, that made more sense. Awakening weekend, typically I would have done this sermon last week uh, and then moving forward as well. Um, and so we have these, these books, these, these reform books, and, uh, and these are, are designed for small groups, but I just encourage, we've got some um, on your way out, even if you don't have a small group right now, to, to grab one of these, these books and be able to, to work through it. Uh, maybe it's just you and one, another person, um, but it's not too late to start a small group. Find a few people, it doesn't need to be very many. Find a few people, find a time, and just begin working the process, because what we believe is that, is that small groups are essential to growth of spiritual development. I can grow some by myself, but the most important growth happens when I do it with other people and people that I trust and that I'm vulnerable with. I become encouraged. And so, uh, I mean, as, as I was part of a small group even this past week, I was just encouraged because we began to hear that some of the same struggles that we were having, other people were having as well. And sometimes the greatest encouragement is just knowing you're not alone. And small groups can do that. So as you feel safe and as you're able, we'd love for you to have a small group um, that you would form. Because they help us to engage in our spiritual life. And if we want to grow in our spiritual life, we have to practice growing in our spiritual life. And we believe that there are postures and practices that encourage spiritual growth. That there are things that we can do that help us to grow in our faith. All right, There are things that are more likely to, to help us to grow. I mean, God can speak through anything or anyone. Right? You could be watching the TV and, and the Lord can speak through whatever is, is going on there. But what we believe in the church is that there are some things that are more likely to get growth. And, and one of those things is God's word. And that's why we hand it out to the kids is because we want them to know that, that if they, in God's word, in the Bible, that God is more likely to speak through that than he is through the latest dogman book or whatever it else might be, right? Because God still speaks to us. And it's not just about what we do, but it's also how we do it that matters, all right? That, that really there is a way in which we engage in God that makes a big difference. So if you're paying attention during the, the scripture reading, um, there is a word that you would have heard time and time and time again, and that word is abide. Ten times in our text did the word abide come through. Abide in me and I in you. Abide, abide, abide. And if you're reading scripture, one of the things that you can pay attention for is, is there a phrase or a word that's repeated? That is really important for us to pay attention to. And so why, what is abiding and why is it so important? Um, I know that there are times in which we're not really sure if, if we are paying attention. Um, here's the definition that I'm working with today, is that abiding is the discipline of giving your active attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, all right? It's, it's, a, it's a way in which we see the world and engage in the world. It's a discipline, and it involves our active attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, what do I mean by active attention? All right, how many of you have ever been reading a book and you read about like six, seven, eight pages and then you forgot everything that you've read, right? You're just like, you're just in it and you're just like, whoa, I, somewhere my, I've been reading the words, but I'm not paying attention, right? Or, or you've watched a television show and you're like, what happened this episode? I don't, I don't remember. I just clicked next episode because that's what Netflix trains me to do, right? Like you're, you're not even paying attention to what, what's going on. Or the, or the scariest one, right? You've been driving down the highway and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, how did I get to this town? Like, how long have I been on the road because you've, you've just been completely lost, right? And so you may be doing an activity, 
But that doesn't mean that you are actively involved in it. And the same thing can happen with our spiritual life. Um, one, of my, one of the funnier moments we had uh, back, I think it was in December, is we found somebody's shopping list in church. Um, and nobody ever said it was my, I was their shopping list, all right? Um, but, uh, and, and I know there's more than one shopping list, there's more than one to-do list that happens in church. And, and, and that just because we show up to church doesn't mean we're abiding with God. All right, now it's a good thing to show up, it's a good thing to watch online on YouTube, but that doesn't mean you're abiding in the presence of God. It is a discipline of active attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so it's good to show up, it's better to be present and to abide with God and to abide in His love. Now here's the thing, is that kids are actually a lot better at abiding about being present in the moment than adults are. We're thinking about the next three things that are going to happen later on today. We are, we are moving ahead. We're, we're looking forward. Kids are just so much better at being in the moment and being still and just enjoying things. And that's part of what we have to see as even adults is to be present with what God is doing. Because God is moving and he wants all of us to participate. Um, one of the most important Old, text, Old Testament texts is the Shema, all right? It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Um, and it's really sort of this foundational passage for the Israelite people. And this is what it says. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then we hear these famous words we've probably heard before. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. They shouldn't just be on your mind, but again, there's this whole abiding sense. They shall be on your heart. They shall be a part of your daily and, and just even second by second rhythm. As your heart beats, so should your love of God beat as well. And so kids, in, in box two, I'd like for you to draw me a picture that what does it look like to represent loving God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might? What does that look like for you as well? Now, as we move on in the text, we're going to notice something um, as it says, how do we keep these things in our heart, soul, and mind? All right, it says this, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. Now, when are you not laying down, sitting, or rising, or walking, right? That's pretty much saying every chance you get, you shall be teaching and talking about loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And if that wasn't enough, it goes on to say, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. I'm not sure what frontlets between your eyes are, but that just sounds a little painful, right? Um, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And it's basically saying you shall be immersed in this idea of loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Now, here's the thing. is We like the idea of that, but the truth is, is that giving our active attention, abiding and being still with God is incredibly difficult. And it's especially difficult now. All right, we live in a world that is bombarded and that tries to distract us and gets us thinking about other things all the time. In the 70s, people were exposed to about 500 to 1,600 ads per day, all right? In 2007, they estimated that people were exposed to about 5,000 ads per day. Now they're guessing that you are exposed to between 6,000 and 10,000 advertisements every day. 
We are bombarded with messages that say, buy this, do this, you're not good enough. What about this or that, about being distracted all the time? And so we live in a world of divided attention, and God says, I want your undivided attention. I want you to abide with me. And so one of the ways that, that we're called to do that is to meditate on God's word. Now, this, is, this scripture is from Psalm 1. This is verses 1 and 2, and it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. As I was, as I was reading this text um, in the first service, it really hit me that the, the blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers. The counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, and the seat of scoffers, that sounds like a Facebook feed to me. All right? Scoffing, wickedness, sinners, counsel, all these sort of things that are happening. But it says God's people are shaped and formed not by a feed, all right, but by his word. And on his law, he meditates day and night. There's this repetition in this pattern. And sometimes I think we as Christians, and I do it as well, is I think, you know what, my devotion, I'm going to treat it as, a, as something to do, as a to-do list instead of a to-be list. All right, and so I'm going to read my upper room devotion, and I'm going to check the box as something that I did for my spiritual life that morning, and then I'm going to pray at the end of the day because that's what I'm supposed to do for my spiritual life, instead of being still and being present in his word and leaning in to what God would say and leaning in and listening for his presence. And it's really hard to do this because I wish, so many of us have said, I just wish the voice of God would speak to me and tell me. But I wonder if you and I haven't heard the voice of God, not because God hasn't been speaking, but because we haven't been listening. And what if we began to tune our ears to hearing God's voice and knowing what it is that he says? Because we can do that. I, I think about as, uh, as parents, you know, being out at the, the playground and maybe you've had this experience or you've been out on a playground and you've seen this happen. There's a bunch of kids um, playing and all of a sudden somebody cries. And like the mom whose kid is crying knows exactly it's their kid. And in the midst of all this noise, they can tell their child's voice and their cry instantly and makes a move in that way, right? Is it through the noise they can hear the voice of their ch children? And we believe that we can do that God is speaking to us. And we have to lean into God, all right, and believe that God is whispering to us. And in this whisper, he's telling us, are you listening to me? Are you paying attention? It's that still, small voice. And God whispers. But we miss it. Because we're paying attention over here, we're paying attention over here. And God invites us to abide. And so one way we can do that is through, is through Christian meditation. Um, I really believe that this is an important practice. It's one I'm not good at. Um, and there, and as, as I've sort of looked into it, there's really sort of three big ways to, to sort of meditate as a Christian. And, and these three things come up time and time again as I look at it. The first is, is that we have to be still. I don't know about you, but I hate being still. I'm not good at being still. And I'm not just talking about physically being still, but I, I'm talking about shutting us off from everything else. I mean, how rare is it to have two minutes where nothing is going on? And so being still is stilling our body, it's stilling our mind, it's stilling all the other things that are around us so that we can abide with God. 
And so God's going to invite us to reflect on his word, to think about these things, but it begins with us being still. Now, the second thing that, that God invites us to do is to breathe deep. As I, as I look at these uh, different things, it's, it really does begin with us taking a deep breath. And, and one of the gifts of that is that it reminds us that even our breath is a gift from God. I think about the, there's a, a song and, and it said, it's your breath in my lungs, so I pour out my praise. I pour out my praise. And when I take a deep breath in, I can trust that God is at work. And I'm reminded that even my breath is a gift from God. And it slows me down. And so if you want to be still, if you want to abide with God, start by breathing in and then breathing out. And then one of the most important things that we can do is we don't empty our mind, but we focus our mind and we focus our attention on something now, sometimes that could be, a, a lot of times people will do this, they'll, they'll read their devotion and then something, whatever it is that sort of stands out to them, that becomes where they focus their attention on this particular verse or on this particular scripture. And so maybe it would be as you read this, this text, maybe what, what stood out to you is, is this idea, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And so you think about, okay, Lord, what are the words that you're speaking to me? And so I focus on a scripture passage that I would read. Um, some of you love music, and so maybe it is a phrase from a song um, that, that you can sort of focus on. Some of you are more visual-oriented, and, and so maybe there's an image that, that can remind you of God's goodness or faithfulness that can help to, to center you. I mean, I know that there's probably many of you who can see this stained glass window behind me. When you close your eyes, you can picture it. And maybe that becomes what you do. When you get still, you take a deep breath and you picture that stained glass window. And you see Jesus, you see him holding the sheep, you see that path. And that becomes a way in which you're centered and still. And you, rem and you are reminded that the Lord is our shepherd and you shall not want. And so my invitation is for us to try this. All right, is to be still, to breathe deep and to focus our attention and to make this a regular part of what we do. And on his law, we meditate day and night. It's not going to be easy, and the world will not reward it. But God certainly will, because that's who he is. There are some apps. If you're a, um, somebody, there's a, an Abide app um, that goes conveniently with what I'm talking about um, that you could, you could look at um, as a way, and they have some guided Christian meditation as well that, that might be good for you as well. And, and, and what happens is, is that when we abide with God, then the voice of God speaks to us. And one of the things that it speaks to us is what needs to be removed from our life, what needs to be pruned. Our scripture said it this way, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, now I don't really, I'm not a gardener and I, I wouldn't know the first thing about how to prune something, but it, I do know that it's important that you cut back and that if you want to have something bloom or blossom again, you need to cut it back so that it can grow. And so kids, I invite you in, in box three to draw a picture of a, of a gardener pruning something, all right, trimming back uh, um, a tree or a bush or whatever it might be. Now, one of the interesting things from this text that I think is really important for us is that if God is not pointing out things in your life that need to be pruned, you aren't abiding with him. If God is not pruning you, then you have removed yourself from hearing the voice of God because God is always, always working on areas in our life that need to change and that need to be transformed. 
a few years ago when I was doing a step study for Celebrate Recovery and I was working my way through it and, and God was showing me lots of things. One of the things that as I was getting to the end, I, he, he sort of just gently showed me that he said, your real issue is not that, it's your pride. And so after, after I did all this work on this other thing, then God brought this other thing to my attention and said, this is what needs attention now. And as I've worked with small groups, as I've worked with other people, um, what I've seen time and time again is the Lord will gently bring forward stuff to us if we submit ourselves to him. Because what he wants to do is give us his goodness and his promise. You see, the purpose of the pruning is to give us his promise. Jesus said, the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so many of us, we choose not to have abundant life because we hold on to some of these things that are dragging us down. And God wants to prune us to point out these areas of our lives that are not consistent with him so that we can become who he wants us to be. And the good news is God knows exactly what he's doing. Um, I don't expect you to remember things that I preach all the time. Um, and so I'm, I'm bringing back something that I preached about a year ago um, on this last little part because I was talking about this pruning process and I talked to Bill at Edwards Bill Edwards is a longtime member of this church, great man of God, who also is a master gardener. And as I was about to talk about pruning, I said, well, I guess I need to talk to somebody who knows about pruning. So I saw Bill at coffee and I said, Bill, what do I need to know about pruning? And in like two minutes, he gave me these four things about pruning that just, just opened up my eyes and mind. And I was like, Bill, I need to write these down. What'd you say again? Um, and they're so good. I shared them last year. I want to share them again. All right, because I think they're so beneficial, like the reason for pruning and what happens. Now, the master gardener, and we believe that's God, he prunes, and he prunes each branch uniquely because he knows each branch. He knows you. He knows what you need. He's not just going to be like, hey, just cut them all off and let them all grow back. All right, that's what I would do. Just trim them all back. Hopefully, it'll work out, right? But that's not what the master gardener does. He knows each branch. He knows each plant, and he knows what needs to be pruned and where, and he takes time and attention. All right? He's not looking at the whole. He's looking at you individually. What is it in your life that is inconsistent with God? Or what is it in your life that's going to prevent you from having the abundant life that God has promised? He knows that. And if we submit ourselves to him, then he's going to prune those sort of things. Now, the master gardener, the purpose of pruning is not to take away, but to protect the branch. Now, one of the dangers with, prune, with, with the tree all right, and think about it in Oklahoma, right? Is that a tree in Oklahoma, you get too many branches, and if an ice storm comes or a bunch of snow or whatever it case, it can't handle the weight and it will be crushed. But if it's pruned correctly, all right, then it's more likely to be able to withstand the outward circumstances, all right? I believe that there are some of us that when we look back at what God was doing in our lives last fall or, or even last winter, we're going to see areas that God was working on pruning to prepare us for the winter of COVID. That, that this season of, of outward negativity and just disruption, God was doing things in our lives to prepare us for that because he wants to protect us. There are things that maybe were taken away. There are things that we lost there are things that we wouldn't be able to handle that he was doing in order to protect us. And we may have thought, this doesn't seem right, but God was doing it for our good. Now, one of the things Bill said, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's very true, is he says, you know, sometimes that, that branches, you know, they're going to grow this way and then grow this way. And what's going to happen is they're going to irritate one another. 
And I thought, oh, that's true, right? That sometimes there are people and there are situations in our lives in which, which God's going to have to prune a relationship. He's going to have to trim something back so that we can blossom. That there are some branches that are so irritating and there are some people that are irritating you that you don't need to be in relationship with anymore because it's not helpful to you. You may be holding on to something that is just irritating and irritating and irritating you and it's not gonna get better. And maybe for a season, this branch needs to be pruned back and sometimes that branch just needs to be removed altogether. That there are some relationships that need to be pruned back because God knows that sometimes we can irritate one another. And sometimes we just need to take some things back just a little bit so we can grow in harmony instead of growing in irritation. But the most important part of pruning is really all about stimulating growth. And, and, and my understanding of it is that the vine, all right, pushes nutrients out to the branches, all right? The branch doesn't say, hey, vine, I need branches, and pulls it up, all right? But the, the vine, all right, I am the vine, you are the branches. The vine pushes nutrients, goodness, out to the branches, all right? And so what this means is that if there is something that is too long, that is unhelpful or unhealthy, it can, still get your, it can still get energy and attention as long as it's growing. And there are some things in our lives that, that are getting energy and attention that don't need your energy or attention and don't need God's energy and attention that needs to be pruned off. And that, so that growth can happen other places. And maybe it's something we like or maybe it's something we don't like. Maybe we've been giving all of our attention to something that, that we don't have anything to do about. And we'd say, God, can you just prune that off so that I can focus on other things as well? Because that's who he is, is he wants us to thrive instead of merely survive. And so this is who God is, and this is why pruning happens. And one of the things that is important for us to understand is that if we abide in his love, then we will produce fruit. And sometimes we get the gospel wrong. I remember I, I took my car to get detailed once in my life, and uh, I go there, and the guy finds out I'm a pastor. And, uh, and he says, he said, well, um, once I get my life back together, then I'm going to come to church. And that's what a lot of people think the gospel is. Get your life back together, and then you're worthy to come back to church. But here's the good news. It's God does not love us because we are worthy. He does not love us because of what we produce, but actually we produce because we are full of his love. He doesn't love us because, oh, well, Aaron, you did all these wonderful things. Thus, then you're worthy of love. That's not how he works. We are worthy of love because he created us. And when we abide with him, we become filled with his love. And then we can produce this good fruit. And this is the gospel. Not that we earn it, but that we receive it. And he invites us to receive more than you and I can ask or imagine. If we could just be still and abide with him and submit ourselves to the tough work of being pruned. Romans 5 says it this way, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And verse 8 says this, But God shows his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so that it's in our brokenness that we're reminded of God's love and faithfulness. And so my hope is that, is that as you were sitting here, that you were abiding in the presence of God, not that you remembered everything that I said, but that you believed and you were open to God speaking to you. And so what I want us to do is just take a couple of minutes and be still. I'm going to invite you to take some deep breaths as we do that. And I'm going to invite you to focus your attention 
Is there a phrase that you heard today? Is there an image? Is there even a song, maybe a line from the song that you heard that you need to be still? And so kids, I'm going to invite you in box four to draw or write something in your life that God is revealing to you that needs change. And adults, you're not going to get out of it, all right? You may not have the books in front of you, but I'm going to invite you to the same thing. Is what is it that God is showing you? Who is it that God is showing you that needs to be pruned from your life? And so we're going to have, I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then I'm going to invite you to a posture of prayer and abiding. And, and sometimes it does help us if we physically do something. So whether you're watching at home or in the room, we're just going to, I'm going to invite you like Jay did on Sunday night, just to hold your arms out and just believing that God is going to give you something. If you have your, arm, your hand open to God, then maybe God will place something in your hands or in your heart or in your mind. And so as I lead us in prayer, I'm just going to invite you to extend your hands wherever you are as we pray together. And so, Lord, we believe that you are doing something new. So, Lord, we pause and we are still. The world continues to spin. Feeds are being updated as we speak. But, Lord, we're going to choose to be still and be present with you. And so we have our hands and our arms open, and we believe that you're going to give us a gift of your spirit and a gift of revelation, that there is going to be something that you're going to say to us today. And so we lean into you. We give our active attention to you. And we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And so, Lord, we pray that you would place something in our hands that we need that needs to be pruned. We pray that you would give something to us that is inconsistent with who you're calling us to be or something that's not helpful for the season in our life and that you would reveal to us what you are going to do. And so, Lord, we're going to be still. We're going to meditate on your word. And we're going to trust that you are speaking today. And so, Lord, we offer ourselves to you, whether we're at home or in the room. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.